Get your Bibles. I want to share with you in our first week together, um, we shared uh, kind of some of the goals that we have in this series and things we're going to learn about the kingdom of God. And uh, so in our first week together, we learned that the gospel of the kingdom is the gospel that Jesus and the disciples preached. Uh, We learned that Jesus presented the gospel of the kingdom in parables for those who walk close to God. I don't want to, uh, I don't want you to miss that. In Mark 4.10, Jesus presented the gospel and explained to them, it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, these things come in parables. We discovered that there's nothing hidden from us that is not there for our discovery. There is nothing of the kingdom of God hidden from us that is not there for our discovery. Um, uh, There is... Uh, the scripture says in Mark 4.22, there's nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. God's secrets in the word of God, the things of the kingdom of God, are there for your discovery. Woo, that's good. They're there for your discovery. I grew up in a generation where people thought that God was hiding things from us. Or that there were just some things in God that we were never going to be able to receive. Uh, and now why would God create great blessing and then just say, hold it out in front of you like a carrot, never let you catch the carrot. That's just not the father I'm serving. I don't know about your daddy, but mine wouldn't do that. Right? Uh, then last week we learned uh, that there's a difference between seeing the kingdom and entering the kingdom. That's in John chapter 3, uh, verse 1 through 8. We learned that there's a difference between being born again, uh, born again as the, you know, into salvation, and being born of the Spirit. And that's in Romans chapter 8. And you just have to dig around that whole chapter. Uh, and then that we learned that there's a difference between being an observer in uh, the, the kingdom and being a participant. And that's really our goal in doing this is that my challenge before the, before the Lord, the, the Holy Spirit wants to accomplish in our time together on this subject is that you and I would become greater participants in the kingdom of God and less observers. We love the miracles. We like to see what happens when God's doing it. So whenever, he's, whenever people are up here and they're being ministered to, we, we keep our eyes open. We want to see what's going on. Man, what if, what if sister so-and-so hits the floor? What if she goes down? What if she gets changed forever? What if if God does a healing and I miss it? Don't close your eyes. I don't want to close my eyes when God's doing something. But we get the mindset of of observing whenever what God may be saying is participate. In fact, that's what God is saying, by the way. God is not maybe saying participate. He's saying participate. So uh, I want to talk to you today a little bit about what uh, the kingdom of God, this statement, we mentioned it last week, but we're going into it further this week. The kingdom of God is the kingdom that we have been called unto. You have been called unto the kingdom of God. When Jesus saved you, He did not just save you so that you would have fire insurance. And I'm sorry that I'm repeating myself there. I say that a lot. Nobody wants to go to hell. Well, some people say, I've heard people say they want to because their friends are there, but they won't know that. That's a foolish statement. Ain't going to be no hanging out. 
in hell. The Bible says it's outer darkness. When I was a child, uh, the school took us up to uh, Friant, the dam right up here, up the road. And we went on a tour. And they took us down in the uh, tunnels under the dam. There's, there's just a whole maze of tunnels. And the first thing they said to us was, stay with the group and don't wander off, because if we lose you in here, it might be hard to find you. And if you get lost in here, finding your way out may be very difficult, and it's very dangerous, because there's things in there, places in there where you could get injured. So they take us into these tunnels, okay? I got in those tunnels as a child the perfect description of what the scripture calls outer darkness. You see, we live our life, there's always a little bit of light somewhere. You ever go in your room and, and you don't feel well and you just want the light out because it hurts your eyes and you start covering up the windows and putting things down against the door so no light can come in and you just want dark so you, till you feel better? Well, they took us down into those tunnels and all the doors were closed and they said, now this is what we want you to do. We're going to turn off the lights. We want you to, when we turn off the lights, nobody moves. Stay right where you are. Don't wander off. But when we turn off the lights, we want you to hold your hand up in front of your face and look at your hand. They turned off all the lights held our hand up in front of our face, you could not see your hand. Darkness. That's what the absence of his presence is like. You have been called to the kingdom of light. The scripture says, on the contrary, let me give you the mirror side of that. In eternity, there is no sun because the lamb is the light. There's never night. There's never darkness. In heaven, there's so much light, there's not even a shadow, the Scripture says. You will not walk and have light shine on you here and have a shadow behind you because the light is penetrating. I think I'd rather live in penetrating light than outer darkness. Praise God. You've been called to the kingdom of light. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 12, the scripture says, I'm going to read about four passages of scripture here, and it'd probably be good if you would, um, or three scriptures here, if you would jot these down and look at them later and underline them and highlight them and memorize them and all those things that good disciples do. 1 Thessalonians chapter 12 and verse 2, chapter 2 and verse 12 says this, that you would walk worthy of God who called you into his kingdom and glory. Now it's important for you to understand in that passage of scripture that God did not just call you into his kingdom, he called you into his kingdom and his glory. Because being in the kingdom of God will produce an environment where the glory of God can dwell. Being a participant in the kingdom of God, let me rephrase that, will produce an environment where the glory of God can come. And the Bible says in the Old Testament, when they were doing the things that God had called them to do there in the temple, when they were doing the temple, uh, going through the temple processes, that the glory of God would come down, and it would come down so much so that they could not see to continue doing what they were doing. They had to just stand in His glory. Can you imagine the presence of the Lord coming in so strong that we just have to stop what we're doing because we can't even see to move about the room. We just have to stand there in his presence. 
That's what would happen. Well, the scripture says that you walk worthy of God who has called you into his kingdom and glory. Then uh, listen to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, plead with you. Beseech you means plead with you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherein you are called. There's a second time that the apostle uh, challenges us to walk worthy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with this in just a minute. Colossians 1 and verse 10 says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We need to jot those things down. We could preach right there. We're not going to all day. But, but he says, walk worthy, being pleasing, fruitful, producing good work, increasing in knowledge. Man, that's powerful. Oh, I thought I just needed to receive Jesus so I wouldn't go to hell. Walk worthy. A way that is pleasing to the Lord, being fruitful in good works. Good work. Activity. There's an activity in the kingdom that you're called to that produces fruit in your life. Oh man, I have to example this. It's in my way. This is how I grew up. This, this is how I grew up. Now, I grew up in the church, Pentecostal churches, wild Pentecostal churches. We are mild compared to wild. I watched him, I seen people stand up and testify and say, I just want to give God the glory today and I just want him to know that I love him and I, I'm so thankful for all he's done in my life. And they go, ah! and run around the church. They did, didn't they, Linda? You've seen it. I think I'm going to start, somebody stand up and say, I think I'm going to start a Jericho march. And somebody at the piano would start playing when the saints go marching in and everybody start following that guy around the church. But you know what? Seems like foolishness. But it's not. Because what it produced was a response to moving the Spirit of God. And I watch people get saved. I watch people get healed. I watch people get delivered in those environments that we look at and we think, well, that's just silly. Well, some people think it's silly to come up and get hands laid on too, but the Bible says to do that. So they just Jericho march around the church. But then they'd go home. This is, this is the challenge for you. They would go home, for the most part, and wait to see what God was going to do. And the mindset of that generation was, well... Pardon me, because I love them. It's my foundation, and it's appropriate. And th those of you in the back may not be able to see me, but you can hear me. Well, you never know what God's going to do. And you know all the time God's sitting uh, in eternity looking at us going, well, you never know what they're going to do. And we're waiting on God to do something when he has equipped us to do the works of the kingdom of God, when he has equipped us to do what we just read there in Colossians and, and, and walk in a way that produces fruit through good works. Fruit is produced 
through activity. We're singing today. Benjamin, come over to me while we're singing. I want to see your kingdom come, right? Were we not singing those words? I want to see your kingdom come. We're getting all anointed and blessed. I want to see your kingdom come. And you know what God is saying when we say that? Yeah, me too. Is he not? Why? Because his kingdom has come. In his heart, in the heart of the Father, he has released the kingdom into the earth. So we are the recipients of that release. So he pours the kingdom out into the lives of believers and we sit there and say, well, you never know what God's going to do. And the Lord is saying, I've sent you to be my mouthpiece in the earth. I've sent you to be my hands in the earth. I've sent you to be my feet in the earth. And when you will move out, You'll see my kingdom. That word that, that was recorded this morning for our sister, I'm going to pick on you, sweetheart. I'm going to pick on you and I'm not going to embarrass you. Promise. We're going to see the kingdom come through that word. As you put that, that into practice in your life, the kingdom of God is going to come and right out three. So the... Uh, the desire of God is for the kingdom to come. The word told, Jesus taught them to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And then he released them into the earth when he released those disciples. And when he sent out the 70, if you go back into scripture and you read that, he said, I want you to go into cities and towns and where they'll receive you. Go into the house of peace and I want you to preach the word and do the stuff. And, and, and then uh, come back and tell me what happened. And when you read that whole passage and they come back and tell you what happened and they're going, ooh, even the devils had to do what we said. Well, I wish we could get ourselves to the point that we're realizing the devils have to obey us. Devils have to obey you. They have to do what you say. You're a believer. You're full of the Spirit of God. The demons have to do what you say. Some of y'all are going, oh God, I don't want to ever have to tell a demon what to do. Do you know how you know how I got comfortable with telling demons what they have to do? Can we just be practical here? We only have a few minutes. Let's just be practical. I got most comfortable telling the demons what they have to do by coming to the realization that I have told them the devil, that's the threshold of my door. You don't come in here. This is my house, bucko. This is my territory. You don't get to come in my house and mess around with my family. You don't get to come up in my stuff. When you start walking in the authority that you've been given over your own house and, and saying, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord and the Lord is going to be the Lord of this house. His kingdom have, has come into this place. Don't bring your mess up in here. Don't come messing with the peace of my house. There's joy in my house. There's peace in my house. There's no trouble in my house. If there's trouble in my house, it ain't there 10 minutes. I usually don't have to say anything because my wife will run it right out of there before I have a chance. Because we've learned, this is, a play, this is our authority. Don't come up, don't come messing with my stuff. When, when, uh, and the, the enemy will try to do that through your loved ones. You've got to be bold. 
They'll try to do it through, if you're raising children, they'll try to do it through your children. First thing you know, you'll hear something in the room and, and you'll hear some music going on and, and you'll, you'll sense the, the spirit of it and you'll go, wait a minute, no, oh, not in my house. If you wait until that produces fruit, you've waited too long. I, now I'm just meddling because I don't have time to get all the way into the things that I need to get into. But I feel the Lord in this. Listen. This is, the practical, this is the practical side of the kingdom of God. It starts at home. I can preach to you about the kingdom of God all day long, but if I don't talk to you about the practical application of the kingdom of God and where it starts, it will never produce anything in your life. You go home and you set an environment where Jesus can dwell and kick everything else out. Kick everything else out. Clean house. Sometimes a broom cleans house, sometimes a baseball bat cleans house. Whatever works for you, clean house. <laughs> but do not let the enemy have a foothold in the place where you have them. That is the place of your greatest authority. Your own house, your own apartment, your own dwelling place. Get everything out there. Don't look like Jesus, sound like Jesus, act like Jesus. Get it out. So, I have to ask you this question the last few minutes that we have together today. How do I walk worthy if you needed Jesus to make you worthy in the first place? You're not worthy on your own. But the day that you receive Jesus, you're worthy. And you know what the scripture is saying? I've made you worthy, so walk like it. That's not terribly deep. But we come to Jesus in our culture. People, folks come to Jesus and they receive his, 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 the impartation of His righteousness and, and they become worthy to be in His presence, but they never transition to walk like worthy people. They'll still walk around feeling like they don't deserve. They'll still walk around like the old man whenever the new man has come. The old man is dead. So dead he stinks. Bury him. What he's talking about is an attitude of the heart. He's talking about a change in the way that we think. Your greatest battle to be a person through whom the kingdom of God can flow is right here to here. What's that, eight inches? Depending on how big the head is, six inches, eight inches. Eight inches of territory, six inches of territory, right between your ears that either blesses your life and allows the kingdom of God to be released through you into the earth or completely hinders you from accomplishing the things that, that God desires for you to accomplish. It's all right here. That's why the Scripture tells you to renew your mind. Let this, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Renew your thinking. I was listening to a guy the other day, and I've, I've wanted to share this example. I'm going to share it. There was a guy uh, uh, on television who was preaching, and I was watching him, and I don't watch a whole lot of, of Christian television. There's some really weird people on there. Um, 
but I was watching this guy and he was preaching. He's just a young man and he's talking about his, his wife is an evangelist and he's, his gifting is to the body of Christ and her gifting is to the streets. But we're all called to evangelize, you know, and so he understands that we're all called to, to share the gospel and evangelize. And so he said that she'll come up to him, pull him way out of his comfort zone, say, we're going to go out and we're going to share Jesus today. We're going to pray for people in the streets. Come on, let's go. And he says, spiritual man that he is, wait a minute, I've got to pray and see if God wants me to go this time. Because of it gripping, because that's not his natural thing. You know, he can preach all day in a crowd like this because we're all on the same page. It's like preaching the choir. Everybody's like, woo, woo, woo. But he began to tell that when he, when he submitted to that and he gave himself to that and he allowed the kingdom of God to begin to flow through him and he went out and he, he was sharing Jesus with these people, just, just simple things, let me pray for you. Uh, is there something that I can pray with you about? That's a wonderful question. Go, go to the grocery store, find somebody and say, is there something going on in your life I can pray with you about? You'll be surprised. The Holy Spirit will show up and tell you what's going on in their life. They'll say no, and then you'll say, but why is the Holy Spirit telling me, that, lady, that your husband just left you and that you're all alone and that your children have turned their back on you and that you're grieving? And she'll just start bawling. Okay, pray for me. <laughs> How did you know? That's, that's God. Loving people. Put yourself out there. Okay, so he, he did that. He went and he... He said, I put myself out there, and I did what I was supposed to do, and I went and asked this lady if I could pray with her, and, and all of a sudden the Lord began to talk to him about her life, and she had that bright-eyed look. How did you know? And he said, I began to share Jesus with her, and uh, she received Jesus. And he said, she was so young in the Lord, she didn't know that you couldn't do the stuff until you got through the basics of discipleship. And he said, so I told her, listen, this is what you do. You go over to this person and you ask him if, they, if there's anything you can pray with them about. And he says, I'll help you, come on. And you just ask if there's anything you can pray about. And then just listen as you're praying for him what the Lord says to you and tell him. And he said, 10 minutes, I had prophesying to somebody, giving him the word of the Lord, because she, she didn't know you couldn't do that. And she's like, oh, i got to know how to do that. i got to do better at this. And he says, come on, let's disciple then. Let's learn the word. But just that fast, she went from being an unbeliever to a believer who was giving someone uh, a word from God. It was in simplicity. It was a novice. It was brand new. It was fresh. But the other person is going, how did you know that? And she goes, well, he just told me that that, that was God. The Lord wants us, in the attitude of our mind, to stop telling ourselves that we can't do what he's called us to do. I'm talking about the difference between being spirit-led and flesh-led. Again, Romans chapter 8. If you, they that are the spirit, give attention to the things of the spirit. Dater of the flesh, give attention to the things of the flesh. So I'm in the grocery store, I'm buying uh, stuff I want to eat, so I'm giving attention to the things of the flesh, right? Then all of a sudden, there's somebody who goes by me, and I think, hmm, I, I need to ask that individual what's up in their life. 
and strike up a conversation with them, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God begins to whisper, I'll stop giving attention to the things of the flesh for the moment and give attention to the thing of the Spirit because I'm a person that is led by the Spirit. I'm not led by my flesh. If I'm led by my flesh, I'm like, wait a minute, my ice cream's going to melt. <laughs> no, put it back in the freezer until you're ready to leave. Yeah, you can let that one melt and get another one. You haven't paid for it yet. The gospel of salvation will save you from your sin. The gospel of the kingdom will change you from the old man to the new. How do I walk worthy? You've got to start agreeing with Jesus that you are who he said you are. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. It did not say he is becoming a new creature. He is a new creature. He's not waiting for you to get all shaped up and cleaned up and all prettied up in the kingdom. In fact, if you wait that long, you won't bear any fruit in the earth. You won't. But when he says for us to walk worthy of the vocation and to walk worthy of the kingdom and to walk worthy of the call, he's telling us, I've made you worthy. Now walk like a worthy person. We've been thinking like unworthy people. Oh, Jesus, I'm so glad you poured your salvation in me. I'm so glad you saved me from my sin. I didn't deserve it. All that's true. Now, God, would, here's, here's, here's the transitional bridge in that prayer. Now, why did you save me and put me in the earth in this season, in this generation, in this time, for this day? What is it today that you want to accomplish in and through me in the life of someone else? Lord, would you let the kingdom of God be released through me today? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now we're getting somewhere. We move from that mentality of unworthiness to worthiness. In walking worthy, we must come to the place that we agree with God that He chose us, He changed us, He equipped us, He set us in the earth with a purpose. Remember Robert Verbat saying, uh, there's power with purpose. Power without purpose becomes power with perversion. You'll pervert that experience and it will be wasted. But if you understand that you have power, you receive, after the Holy Ghost came on you, you receive power. And now within you there is a purpose for the release of that power. Do you know 
we'll stop looking at woe is me and how much is going wrong in my life and we'll start looking for places to get that power released and out of our life and we'll become a vessel through which he can flow and he'll start taking care of the other stuff in our life that, that, we, can't, that we have no power to take care of ourselves. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Come on, say that with me. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. God sent you into the earth as a believer, anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit so that you would seek first the kingdom of God. Oh, I know that's going to challenge some of you because the Lord's going to send you right up to Attila. Tell her about Jesus. He's going to send you right up to the person and, and I'm telling you, if the Lord sends you someone you don't like, you better pray till you like them. Or at least pray till you love them. Understand that? If the Lord is putting a drawing in your heart to go to someone, and there's someone who just rubs you the wrong way, you, you need to get before Jesus and see Him the way that He sees them before you ever say a word to Him. Live Jesus in front of Him. Bite your tongue and love Him. Uh, discipline yourself to love Him until the love of God is released through you to them. And when you start loving them, even though you don't like them, and we all have those people in our life, you start loving them, He'll release you to really pour into their life. He's going to send you to the people least likely to receive Jesus. Lord, give us some of those least likely disciples. Lord, give us some of those least likely disciples. Do that in us, Lord Jesus. Release the kingdom in us. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Help us, Lord, to walk worthy. I'm talking about our thinking. I'm talking about our thinking. Help us to walk worthy. If we'll think worthy, we'll produce worthy. If we'll think worthy, we'll produce worthy behaviors. We'll produce like Jesus behaviors if we'll think worthy. We'll produce blessing in our life if we'll think worthy. You know, there are a lot of people who live poor and broken because they don't think they're worth blessing and wholeness. Let's not live there. Let's walk worthy.